This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And you might be uh, asking yourselves, but wait, guys, this is the fast break. Usually I'm being welcomed, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, but Sean's not here. Sad to go to Nashville. Yeah, yeah, his loss, our gain. Yeah, it's our gain because we get to run the shit. We get to run the show this week, and you know what that means, Dave? Bulls, bulls, bulls. Talking about the bulls. We got so, no one to hold us back yeah, this week. No, no one to hold us back. No one to say no. We're going to be talking about the Orlando Magic exclusively on this podcast. We're going to be talking bulls, but first we're going to start some Mike Conley, and then later in the podcast get to the Timberwolves. Kind of a disappointing start for them. Maybe some moves that they could make this season, but. I want to get right into it. I want to start with the Mike Conley news, the injury. He's going to be out with a back injury for six to eight weeks. Crushing blow. Let's get right into it. Where where, where do the Grizzlies go from here? Where do they go? They don't. This this is a yearly thing, (laughs) and I love it, but I hate it. It's Look, you guys guys are just a snake-bitten franchise at Mm -hmm. this point in my mind. Um, Look, Conley was off to one of his best starts of uh, the season. He was dropping 19 a game. Uh, and he was shooting fairly well, actually. So I, I'm a little little unhappy because I didn't expect him to come out this well. He's playing on that new contract, one of the highest-played players in the game, and it was nice. It, the offense was flowing with him. Things looked really good, and I was like, oh, man, am I going to have to eat my words about the Gerses this year? Nope, not going to have to do that because they lost Conley. Six to eight weeks is a long chunk of time, especially early in the year when this team still is, you know, back to gelling again together. They've mm-hmm. got they're a veteran heavy team, but still, uh, uh, it, this this definitely leaves a lot of questions open for where's the production going to come from. So I, I don't know if they're going to be able to maintain a steady, you know, win loss, or or if they're going to teeter a little bit. Well, the thing that I look at, and this is the big one for me, is really that point guard position. Where do you look for within there? Because right now I'm using, we say them all the time, they should just be a sponsor of a fast <laughs> break, but the depth charts on Real GM, the the only two point guards you have is are Andrew Harrison, and then you have Wade Baldwin the fourth, the guy they picked up from Vanderbilt in right. the draft. So you have, to me, a guy who, yay, kind of played point guard in college and then so far in the NBA, but really it's like, are you confident with Harrison being your starting point guard moving forward? And Wade Baldwin, the fourth, it's kind of like, oh, the rookie, are you ready to put him in there and say, okay, go ahead, this is your team. I think this is this is a big blow to the Grizzlies, not just for leadership, because, I mean, we still have Marcus Gasol's going to be out there, but yet again, he was injured last year, so how long can he stay on the court? I'm not saying... He's going to get injured again. I mean, you got him. You have Vince Carter for that veteran leadership. Yeah, you got Zebo. But for that point guard position, I look at that and I go, how confident are you with Andrew Harrison being your starting point guard? Not super confident. I mean, he's shown a little bit, actually. He's a little better than I honestly expect him to be. When I looked at Andrew Harrison initially, my expectations were, yeah, he probably should be a third stringer and have Baldwin above him in the pecking order. But uh, no, Harrison has done okay, better than my expectations, which were dumpster. But uh, I don't think he's going to be able to get you too far. I think they're going to look at a lot of different um, lineups that may involve going mm-hmm. double shooting guard or going playing bigger. I mean, 
they've got a couple guys who could be ball handlers a uh, little have a little more heavily but look i think harrison they're just gonna, they're going to ride it out with him i think that you know you'll still get you'll still get to see wade baldwin for you know 15 to 20 anywhere in that range a night uh which is good because i think they want to see what they have in baldwin now and it's the perfect time to do it i honestly would ride him more but that's just my opinion. I, I'm, I'm a guy who favors mm-hmm. younger players because you have this opportunity where, look, as a team, you are probably the bottom half of the playoffs mm-hmm. uh, in all likelihood. That's that's your You're top talking about end. at the end of the year, that's not your top like end. right now. Correct. Mm-hmm. So what you should do is, without Mike Conley there to carry your team, you need to put in young guys and see, all right, if it comes down to crunch time late in the season – and we have something go wrong, we need to be confident in our bench. We need to know what we've got, and now is the best time to test that out. Well, to me, the the thing is, right away, when I first heard, oh, well, Mike Conley's hurt, the first thing I thought of was, okay, everything moves over where Chandler Parsons kind of becomes your point guard. He can kind of handle the Ugh. ball. Tony Allen, it's not ideal, but yeah. like you can maybe have him handle the ball. You can either have Tony Allen bring it up, and I, the one thing I look at is, okay, no, you can't do that because Chandler Parsons, he's going to be out one more week with his knee injury. You mentioned Zebo with the um, veteran leadership, but as of right now, Zebo still nursing um, an injury. He's out. Right. And so you've got those two players out. Zebo's obviously going to be back sooner than Parsons. It's what are you going to do in that week or so? And I say so because injuries are tricky animals where you could say, oh, he's back in a week, but then something happens. It's like, okay, he was out a few more games than we originally thought. It's what are you going to do with those two point guards? And for me, I kind of agree with you. I At first I would lean on Andrew Harrison only yep. because he is the veteran, yeah, and, I mean, and I'm using last, air quotes. Yeah, his last two performances, uh, as we're recording this, he went mm-hmm. off for – uh, twenty-one and four against Toronto in a loss there, and then eleven and eight in a win over Orlando. So, I mean, look, his shooting is decent. He was seven for twelve in the first game, four from eight in the second. It's really just how that offense flows. I'm not saying numbers lie, but I'm saying that you know it, it's great that he looked uh, that he had those stat lines, but on from the eye test, I didn't love him out there. And I hope I hope it gels better. I really do. Well, and the thing that we kind of talked about when it came to draft time with Wade Baldwin, because yep. he's the one that I really look at. Like this is like young fella, this is your chance as a rookie to say, Hey, you know what? Yeah. That pick that you made on me is not a waste. And I mean, when we looked at it, he was a guy that I mean, even late in the draft, I, I was looking for the Bulls to maybe target him with that lottery pick that we had where he's a combo guard. He can see the floor. He can assist. He can shoot from range. I mean, his kind of lacking things was his leadership in the locker room, but really the Grizzlies, you didn't need that because you already had so many veterans in that locker room. So to me, this is like, and I say this week because when Chandler Parsons comes back, it's going to change. It's not going to be like a thing where the team's completely changed. But I think the injury to Mike Conley is going to be lessened once Parsons comes back because Parsons is a will guy. Will he stay healthy? You can, will he stay healthy? That's a question. <laughs> but when he's out there, you can lean on him and say, okay, 
we can at least be in a decent spot because at least we got a Chandler Parsons Zelina. That's why you went ahead and pulled him away from Dallas in the offseason. It's true. It's true. Uh, I think that it's one of those situations where I'm sorry, Grizzlies fans. It's just next man up is always the case for you guys. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you're always going to be held back by injuries. And it it's almost shit because your team should be competing at one of the highest levels in the NBA when you're all there at the same time. And that's what I can't wait to see. I'm hoping that, you know, around the all-star break or slightly after we'll get to see this fully healthy lineup and just watch them wreck teams because they're one of the most stacked upfront teams. But then you start to worry about, all right, well, bench depth and, you know, are they going to be able to maintain that? Honestly, those aren't even questions right now because it's just health. It's can this team stay healthy down the road? And that I, I don't mm-hmm. believe so. I and, really don't. And the one thing I do want to mention with Chandler Parsons when he does come back, yeah. it's going to it's gonna take him a while. And when I say a while, a few games to get his bearings because he's only played six games this season. Right. He played six, then went down with the knee injury. So it's going to be something where it's like he's going to be trying to find himself on the court as well. Like, I mean, you haven't played much. Like, he's going to be... A, you haven't played much this year. B, you haven't played with injured. this roster. And you're coming off yeah. of an injury, a knee injury where... Do you trust your knees? Well, yeah. if you're going to be the guy driving to the basket and being the main... Because it's going to be... Think who, he's going to stay on the outside perimeter then? And, the biggest question for me is, and I think maybe Harrison is a the guy they lean on to it just because he is the if de facto default starting point guard at this point. <laughs> yeah. But it's really who are you going to put as the guy to bring, like who's going to be your main ball handler who brings the ball up across half court? And it's something where you might be sitting there going, well, Ricky, that's a silly question because, of course, they're just going to get it to Parsons and then run the offense. But it's not. Like bringing it up across half court, whoever the ball is in, whoever's hands it is, is important. Look at the Cavs. When Kyrie brings yeah. it up compared to LeBron, it's two different things. Right. Your your offense opens up much differently. And I think Conley uh, was probably one of – I know he's always that – he's not quite an all-star, but he's just good enough. And this mm-hmm. year he could have been an all-star. He was having a great year. He was shooting really well. About 19.2 points per game, five, just under six assists per game. And about four boards, five mm-hmm. boards, somewhere in that range. So uh, the thing that I liked to, liked about him was that – Again, he he was living up to the contract. He was, you know, hey, you guys invested in me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this team to the next level. Uh, They've always been that team that created matchup problems for uh, some of the other teams in the playoffs in the West. So with him out right now, it's just, I'm sorry, it's business as usual for the the Grizz. Just with the injuries? Yep, that's what they're used to. And I mean, looking at the just parameters of six to eight weeks, if we go from today, yep. I know that he was injured earlier this week, but yep. one, two, three, four, four weeks brings you through December at the earliest. He is returning Martin Luther King weekend. Yeah. Maybe that January 15th, 16th, 17th around my birthday time. And then if it takes him the full eighth, we ain't going to see him until February, which will be, we see him for a couple games. Then you have the all-star break for me and kind of like my final thoughts on this. If I'm the Grizzlies, of course you want him back as soon as he can. But for me as a Grizzly fan at this point, I wouldn't be too I wouldn't be upset if it takes him the full eight weeks to recover. Yeah. Because he can come back. 
then get a few games to kind of get his bearings, mm-hmm. and then have more time to rest with the All-Star break because he won't be an All-Star because he won't be playing. The upside of this, actually, on the other end, is that they're not a team who has to panic and try to go mm-hmm. out and make a deal they've got and players. put themselves in a they bad situation. Players. Yeah, they've, they've got two guys we talked about between Harrison and uh, Wade uh, Baldwin Jr., who definitely can fill in. It's just a matter of consistency and finding that mm-hmm. uh, flow on the court with everybody who is still healthy. I'm sorry, I'm going to say the word healthy like 30,000 times in this. It's important when talking about the Grizzlies. It really is. Uh, Honestly, though, it starts to wonder, you know, how bad are they going to be without him? And does this kick open the door for other teams in the West? I mean, this is what we talked about. It's a good chunk of time. It's six to eight weeks that he Mm -hmm. could be out. And there's a whole lot of games there. They could put themselves, you know, right out of playoff contention before he even gets back if, if they don't play well. That's my concern because you got other teams. You got young teams like the Lakers mm-hmm. who have shown they got off to a hot start. They've cooled up a little bit, but they're it's still been against a really tough schedule who have kind of proven themselves as having one of the most uh, prolific scoring benches in the NBA. And they have a lot of youth and a lot of passion. Luke Walton's done a great job. We've talked about him in, in leagues, mm-hmm. and it's just... I, I, I look at them and I say, all right, they could be. And then last week we just talked about uh, Drew Holiday return you know making the pelicans a, now the pelicans are a little bit further out than the lakers but, are but but it's a it's early streak. in the season and you know if if they can all stay on the court and they're mm-hmm. getting tyreek back that's another team that they're on the upswing they're on the up climb the up climb and I meanwhile love, the grizzlies are on the down climb i disagree with mark con- contently that i love that down climb and up climb have been normalized here at most valuable podcast i think it's one of your best additions like it, to the uh to the program it's one of those things now even when we're in private conversations off mic it's you go to say down like on the decline and even sean's like well yeah they're on the downcline. damn it i can't yep. believe i said that yeah. i love that it's normalized but to me if i'm the lakers i'm licking my chops with this injury yeah this, this is definitely my a, chops. A, a very very nice west uh playoff picture for them now because there's, however, a, there's a perennial team that just got knocked out. However, if potentially, we're gonna, if we're gonna throw that out, I gotta throw out Uncle P. He not he not gonna be playing for a little bit either. He's also that's true. injured. But that's a team where <laughs> not Swaggy P. Uncle P. But that's a team where you have younger guys mm-hmm. like Brian Ingram. That means more shots for him, yep. which we all want to see because we that to see him hesitates. He we, it looks like he's a natural <laughs> on defense, which is great, and he obviously needs to put on some weight still or muscle. But like that's a team where it's just they have just so many potential scoring guys on their team and i i love that i love watching them but at the same time i still feel like they're probably a year too young uh when it comes to you know who can pull the trigger between mm-hmm. russell between oh, man but regardless it's it's a concern for the grizzlies i i i'm seriously concerned because they have two teams on the outside now who again licking their chops seeing mm-hmm. seeing that potential in and if the Grizzlies fall off and, you know, Harrison can't be a great fill and uh, Wade can't be a great fill. Well, and Wade, it's also a can he develop kind of quick enough to be, you were confident putting him in that starting spot yeah. ahead of Harrison. Well, that's that's the question. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to ask you this to yeah. close everything up. When Wade Baldwin comes, actually a two-part question. Yeah. Number one, do you think Conley comes back Six weeks or eight weeks, and when he does come back, is he going to be coming back to a Grizzly team still in the playoffs or just out or out completely? I think it would be just out. I think that for all my scariness, I think that they've got enough veteran guys on that team who can win them games. 
Uh, I haven't taken a detailed look at their schedule to see how brutal mm-hmm. it's going to be on them, but I think they're going to be probably, you know, like four or five games out of the picture at that point, which is more than enough time to make that up. It's not going to be like, you know, we're, we're 12 games out at, you know, the all-star break. Yeah. I don't think they're quite going to be that bad. I think it's going to be, first off, I think it's going to take him, I think he's going to be out eight weeks. Yeah. I think they're just going to keep him out eight weeks. It, just it's because, a good precautionary move because that's something you can re-aggravate well, at any given time. I mean, look how it happened. When, when you talk about the back and especially vertebrae yeah. in the spine, you're talking about a very important, not a muscle, but a very important but, I mean, we saw what happened to LeBron even with his back issues, mm-hmm. and it's like, you can only go so long with that stress, or, and it builds up again Andre over time. Or Andre Iguodala in the finals oh, with God, his back yeah. injury, where it looked like... He couldn't Dude. even run the court. Exactly. He couldn't even walk the court. Let's be honest. Yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna take him the full eight weeks. I think I'm on the fence of whether they're going to be just in or just out. I'm gonna lean towards just out because I think the Lakers are gonna play a little bit better than the Clippers. I think the Jazz, Trailblazers, and Lakers are gonna play well enough to take those last three spots, the six, seven, eight spots, and then the ninth seed out by like a game or two. When mm-hmm. Conley comes back right behind the Lakers, and then we're talking about Grizzly Lakers fighting for that eight spot, and maybe so like if, if Conley can return to in. the same shape he was in before he left, I mean, his he was shooting his best three point percentage uh, since he's been in the league. It was it was absolutely crazy. Like adding that, you know, increasing that threat mm-hmm. level of hey, I can just pull up and drop a three on you. That forces the defense to play differently against you. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that. This is a guy who I'm happy to see, you know, continue to grow his game. I, God, I, and I don't want to admit I'm wrong, but I was wrong. <laughs> and the fact that that contract maybe wasn't the worst thing in the world. But you might be right in the end if, if he, he can't get on the court. And then he can't get back or keeps getting re-aggravated injuries. But this is where you guys come in. I want you guys to tell us down below, whether you're listening on Blog Talk Radio or YouTube, let us know what you guys think about the Grizzlies, about how this is going to affect them. When Conley comes back, is he going to be able, where are the Grizzlies going to be, and how will he be able to help the team right away from coming back from this injury? we got to move on, though. we got to move on into, and it is with a smile. And now Ricky's looking his chops. It is a (laughs) smile on my face that I get to talk about my Bulls. Your Chicago Bulls. Your your Chicago Bulls. And uh, that wasn't too bad for the, uh, it sounded very White Sox announcer. Yeah. That's what I was going for. He does the Bulls games, right? I, I know so. he does the Illini games. And it kind of eats me up inside being a Cubs fan. Cub fan. But oh, wow. I love talking. Like, this is one thing where me and Dave, this is going to be very therapeutic, Dave. That's how you described it. Oh, yes. When I told you yesterday we we're going to talk Bulls because nothing against Sean, but Sean doesn't like talking the Bulls. Sean likes gotta, to rein it in a little. We, we just got to uh, pick our spots when we're throwing out Bulls references. But we're going to be talking about the Bulls. And really where I want to start with this is last night's game. 111-105 win over the Ooh. Cleveland Cavaliers as we are recording this podcast on Saturday. And, I mean, you've got Taj, what you said, what, 10 for 10? To start, to start the game. that game. Yeah. I mean, he finished 10 for 13, but still, 10 for 10 to start the game. Gets 23 points, 11 boards. You've Taj got is a Ron, You've yeah. got Rondo with a double-double. Triple. Triple-double. I forgot the assist numbers. He had 11 boards, which I was most shocked about. Ah. Wade having 20-some points. Butler had 20-some points. This is a team where all we needed was the starter scoring-wise. I mean, you look at the bench, and it was like 2-9-2 and two from Grant Cannon and uh, Nico. Nico, Jesus Christ, that you, man. You not you hating on Nico? He, he had, thankfully he made up for it with like two great defensive plays within the span of a minute. But that man could not shoot for shit, 
And well, I want to. I, be- I believe your exact cool. test was, man, Nico can't hit the broadside of a barn tonight. He couldn't. <laughs> We were lucky, though, because K-Love also was having some shooting troubles mm-hmm. early on. He, he eventually started, you know, playing the, I'll stand in the corner and shoot my threes when LeBron Bron passes over to me. Mm-hmm. But I digress. The, this Bulls team, super Surprising exciting. Us. They don't make sense. <laughs> we literally came off like a four-game rest and then played against the Lakers and lost. And then we're like, all right, Cavs, sure, we'll just take them on, no big deal. Remember we how I was up. saying, oh, well, we'll be a 7-8 seed at the, at the at the most. Yeah, no. And I put us right there in the 8 seed. I'm glad I'm wrong. At uh, this point, I am... I am glad I'm wrong. We're sitting right now in the standings, two behind the Cavs, third in the East. I'm, I'm utterly <laughs> confused at our team and what we can do because mm-hmm. – Look, this is this was the best game we've seen out of Rondo all year. He actually showed up and played defense, which is something that phew, didn't know, didn't know uh, Rondo could didn't do know he still anymore. had that. Yeah, <laughs> because up to this point, he's kind of done the uh, haphazardly mm-hmm. like I'm going to go in for a steal and leave somebody wide open, or he just he made some really poor plays uh, with not shooting and going for those assist numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he gave up open chances, and tonight he was really pressing the court. He was just like. Okay, I'll just go coast to coast. Like, if you're not gonna legitimately stop me, and you're gonna just gonna assume that I'm gonna pass off, I'll just take it straight to the hole. I mean, he looked great out there and confident. Wade, um, Wade looked really good. At the was, same time, I was a little concerned because he uh, definitely took some plays off. We played some four on five out there a little was, bit. Was this a game though with Wade? Besides taking the plays off, when he wasn't taking oh, he plays was off, was this more this of a? This was his best game of the year. Was this a? Hey, I got to step it up to beat my buddy. It was. I got. I got to show that. LeBron up. There was definitely that uh, playoff atmosphere there. There was. There was some extra energy in mm-hmm. the arena uh, when we took him on and. He definitely played up. He he went one on one with LeBron way more than I thought he was going to. Uh, they matched up really well, and then just Jimmy. Jimmy was a difference maker, man. He he went out there uh, and honestly just destroyed them when it came to his open shots, his defense. He got down. Um, I, I want to keep going, but I don't want to keep going, kill you. Dave. Keep going. All right, so. <laughs> Like he's I'll sit back and listen. I, enough, I love listening. I love listening to this. <laughs> You're killing me over here. Uh, so between him, I mean, I think this has been his best year mm-hmm. as a whole. Uh, and tonight kind of was, or last night was kind of like that highlight reel of, look, mm-hmm. he's he's one of the best two-way players in the game. Uh, he can hit every asset of the game, uh, boards, assists, uh, free throw line. He didn't hit, I think he only had like 11 free throws or maybe 12, uh, but it wasn't bad. It was, it was pretty good. Then, Jimmy then went Taj. ten of twelve from 10 of 12. the, from the line, which is great, amazing. Well, I mean, he he the other year he was shooting eighty nine percent, so he no, knocked no, it down no. a little. I'm talking about getting to the line for yeah. twelve shots. Yep. that's what we need. That's what he does. And then then really where the game was decided was on the boards. Mm-hmm. We murdered them on the boards. I think we beat them. I think we had like twelve to fifteen more boards than they did. We had forty nine. They had thirty three. Sixteen. It is. Uh so Taj, Taji boy, mm-hmm. he's been a rock this year. Uh, he started off on fire, and they couldn't stop him, and they literally just couldn't stop him. Caleb wasn't there tonight. Tristan Thompson didn't show up. So Taj dominated, and I'm glad that the thing that was nice was after he got on a roll. So he started off really the well, like 10 I said. 10 for 10. But when he was like 3 for 3, mm-hmm. 4 for 4, the Bulls players kind of acknowledged it, mm-hmm. and it became feed Taj. Like our offense uh, acknowledged it and changed. And that's one of the things you didn't see last year. Fred mm-hmm. Hoiberg wasn't coaching uh, in La- the moment. He wasn't coaching year, in the game. Last he was year just, was, a, was a lot, though. I know, and I know there was there was extra factors mm-hmm. going on, and there was the control of the team. 
But it's the fact that we're kind of playing in the moment and going, Mm -hmm. hey, this guy's really hot. We need to keep going through him for things. And they were giving Taj the extra opportunities. We were making the extra passes to get it over to him. And that really helped us. Well, and that was a big thing for me. Beginning of the season, I was on the band, like kind of on the bandwagon, but I was on the prediction of when it comes trade deadline time. Oh, I was too. I'm like, we're going to be seventh, eighth seed. It's going to, and that could still happen. The one thing I do want to say is when I said that, oh, well, we're third in the East right now. Right now, the East is way more. I'm going to say competitive when it comes to games backwise on the West. Yeah. You look at the third to nine seed between like games back. So like the Clippers to the Lakers, it's the Clippers are one. So it's about six games back are the Lakers from nine to three from three to nine in the East. It's two games, two games separate those teams. So very much of a closer conference in the East, a lot more teams like it could change day to day, but I was on the I like I was on it where it was like we're gonna be seven eight by the trade deadline, trade Taj because he's gonna walk at the end of the season. We're not gonna be that good. Well this team, like I said earlier, has surprised me, has surprised us to where I'm on I'm on the side of maybe we don't like maybe this year's the year we don't have to make that move at the trade we deadline don't try to where we're getting talent. rid of somebody. Yeah. Maybe it's like making a trade, and I know it's it's not an exciting thing, but maybe like a Michael Carter-Williams type of a trade that we well, did. I mean, he's a dumpster. Yeah, you know what I mean, though. Like that lesser player where yeah, we, it's like— We, we just, traded Tony Snell for yeah. him. I mean, it's it's on the same level like, of— Who was our offseason trade with the Pistons? Uh, for um, It was Cannon I thought we got. No. That. No. Oh no! I Dinwiddie. Yeah, Dinwiddie. I mean, that was that was that was dumpster for dumpster. It does. It's one of those things where it doesn't matter. There's hope for Carter Williams to maybe do mm-hmm. something, but he didn't show us anything before he was injured. But that's what I'm saying. Maybe There's we a see like do something a later. bench player swap or something like that. Or yeah, maybe like at the most, if you really want to rattle the cages, maybe like you see a Nico trade. Maybe well, if Nico's not playing well, you, and you feel I like mean, do I do I go into the the Bulls' problem of bench depth? You know, something that we I didn't mean, have we could. before. Well, the the thing I wanted to hit first was kind of like what you talked about, or you kind of mentioned, where this season is totally different than last season. And yeah. like you mentioned, Hoiberg was doing things; he's doing things differently this year that he wasn't last year. But me, I think it's a lot of it is we don't have the off the court problems you that, that we had last year. Well. It's one of the things that's you bring you trade away a player like I, I'm gonna throw Noah into this too, even though I like Noah. You trade away Derek Rose and Joakim Noah, where Derek Rose canceled that locker room, get him out of town. Yep. Didn't wanna to me it felt like as a fan, didn't want to be there towards the end of his time, only cared about himself. Get out of there, stay in New York, I don't give a shit anymore. Mm-hmm. And then Noah, who I like Noah. Noah was a good thing for that locker room, but towards the end, it was he was a Thibodeau guy, and there was no way he was going to be a Fred Hoiberg guy. Yeah. So you had to get rid of him, and now you bring in Rondo, who to me is basically like the whatever in the locker room. Really? Because he he kind, he kind of gives off a, a good veteran leadership vibe well, to him at this I'm point. I'm saying whatever, like, oh, it's Jimmy's team? Nah, whatever. Oh, like that's he's not, I mean. he's, yeah, he's not coming in trying doesn't to claim give, anything. Doesn't give a shit if you see he's the king of the locker room, but, second, third, fourth. But but just get to the guy where all, we D-Wade. all want to talk about. I mean, D-Wade. that man is he's the one. And, he's the he's the professional. Well, he's the one that it's it's kind of like you trade you traded D Rose for D Wade, and D Wade just 
brings this team together a little bit more, especially yeah. with just if you see D Wade's personality, he's just a fun loving guy, always keeping it light. And the best thing was like him talking about because this was his well, obviously, first time in Chicago. This was the first time he's ever been on the circus road trip because he never had to deal with that in Miami. And just hearing him mention like the just bonding with the young players and how much that team bonded over that circus road trip, mm-hmm. like that right alone, I'm like, if we didn't have D Rose this year, this locker room would be a lot different than it is. Absolutely, and that's the one thing that you. It's one of those where you don't see it on this on paper, but mm-hmm. like you can see it in the players, and when you watch them play the game, D Wade is that I'm part. A fantastic, you know, all star. I've been there. I've done that guy. At the same time, he's part coach. He knows how to mentor these younger guys. You saw the effect on uh, uh, LeBron James when he went down to Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Windhorst covered this. Uh, LeBron James kind of transformation from the younger, immature guy who was the I need to do everything on my own, and if I don't, I can't trust my teammates. To when he went to Miami, he grew. He learned a lot from Wade, and he got to become. Uh, this much more professional, much more well-rounded guy mm-hmm. uh, who understands the media, who understands the locker room effect on you know their younger teammates, and that's what we're hoping to see out of Jimmy Butler and uh, some of these other younger guys to have that kind of like soak up everything you can from Dwayne Wade because he is the like he he's been there, he's done that, and there's everything in the world to learn from him. And what I hope that D Wade also does is, and we've seen on the sidelines already, kind of helping Fred a little bit uh, when it comes to game management. You know, when guys come off the when guys come off the floor, Mm -hmm. you see Wade kind of put his arm around somebody and be like, "Hey, man, what you really, you know, did you see your opportunities here? Do you see where you screwed up?" Like he's he's got that relationship with these younger guys already built up, and that's that's wonderful to see. The way I relate it is to if you were think back to when you were in school. Mm And you could have been a part of a sports team. You could have been a part of an organization. Anywhere where there was a teacher or coach. And then kind of that like that. Savvy veteran. Well, he was a student savvy veteran. (laughs) I know. How they'd be in the NBA. But sometimes it's you listen to sometimes you listen to your peers a little bit more than you listen to the coach or the guy because the coach is trying to tell you everything that he knows and he's trying to get you to do the right but thing. But that's from his perspective and it's a different yeah. kind of a message when it comes from someone on your own level. Mm-hmm. I see where you're going with this. Well, I like and, that. Yeah. And that's what like D Wade, even though he's older than most of the young kids on that bench. Yeah, those kids grew up watching him play. Yeah, but they can still now see him yep. as more of a peer than Fred Hoiberg because they're on the same level as an NBA player. And to me, this Bulls team is surprising me. I'm glad they're surprising me. And I think this is a team that I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there, maybe push this into one thing that we're going to talk about. I think if we see the Cavs in the playoffs, we can beat them, seven-game series. I think we can do it. Look, I think think we can go one-on-one, maybe beat them in seven. I think we need to see a little bit more uh, sample size of our games, but there is the chance because this was a playoff game. We got to strengthen that bench. ESPN was is infuriating. I know they're just there for like they're they're click. Are the Cavs on the downcline? Are, are are they coasting? <laughs> like the Cavs are coasting right now in their season because they lost three in a row. Look, LeBron James played forty five mm-hmm. minutes. Kyrie was at like forty forty one. No, it's Caleb like LeBron right said, the honeymoon's over. It th- that's not coasting. They went all out and we beat mm-hmm. them best for best, and it was one of the best games of the NBA this year to watch. 
So I, I think we can absolutely compete with them. Uh, both teams have the same problem, though. Uh, the Bulls have a little more luxury, but it's the bench. And look, LeBron James, Dwayne, or LeBron James, K Love, and Kyrie soak up so much of that salary mm-hmm. that I understand they're not going to have the world's best bench. They have smaller contributors, though, like that uh, Richard Jefferson, like Channing Fry. Uh, and they've got some young guys who they can't trust yet, like K Felder. They need to see what they've got there, and they're going to lose some more games doing it, but they need to give them more time because they only went eight deep against us. So this was like a playoff game. When you when you go eight deep, that's a playoff game. Don't tell me any differently, Cleveland. So watching them play, watching us play, I think that we can definitely go deeper ourselves. Uh, we didn't see much time. Or A, McDermott was hurt, so he's been out with concussion for like eight games. Um, and Bobby Portis, we haven't really pulled the trigger on him this year. So honestly, I think we can go game for game with them. I think this could be our Eastern Conference Finals. I think this would make a phenomenal series, but both teams, the bench and the Bulls, we've got we've got questions. We gotta to make answer. we gotta make a move on the bench between side. Nico, Bobby, and well, um, oh man, it's gonna and be Denzel. One one of them's gotta step up. Well, it's either one of them has to like it's a hard situation for me because one of them has to step up, or I feel like it's weird. Because you gotta move them. That's what I'm leaning towards, and to me, I feel like Nico would be the odd man out. Because Portis is still young. I mean, Valentine's a rookie. I mean, the the big one that I want to see more of, because I liked when he was on the court, is Felicio. And then you also have R.J. Hunter, who they picked up maybe to RJ, add some shooting at RJ the least. R.J. is not I'm not saying anything. right now. No, I don't think he's at ever all. going to be. I think he no, is no, He's a D-leaguer. No shooting at all. No. That's all I'm saying is shooting. I'm Barn. not saying anything else. Can't hit it. Really? Really. You don't think he can hit anything? Why, why I, do you think we ended up with him? I guess I guess because if be he right. spends enough time in the D League, maybe he can learn to shoot. To me, it's going to be either it's going to be Marodic and Cannon Miritich. are going to be your tree. Yeah, Nico, whatever. Yeah. Marodic, Meritich, whatever. I can't say his last name. Yep. It's going to be Nico and Cannon who are your trade targets. I mean, because they're two guys where I don't think Bulls fans would be upset if you traded them and let them leave. <laughs> Cannon's a veteran where it's like... Yeah, yeah, his three ball is exciting, but he hasn't been consistent with it this year. Uh, And Nico, Nico, we all want him to be the player he showed he could have been. Uh, Overseas, look, overseas he was fantastic. We were like, hey... Supposed to be the new age Dirk. Well, not new age, but I would say he's our discount Dirk. And uh, he's not. Budget Dirk. He's not. And that's the shady thing is, look... He he went cold and he went cold quick and there was no coming back from it. Uh, uh, at least he added in a couple defensive plays to save some hope for him, because honestly, most days he's not playing defense. So the efforts there, and that's that's what we want to see. At least he's one of those guys. I think that's why I give a lot of credit to effort on this Bulls team is because of Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler like willed his way to be a great player. He put in the work. He put in the time in the gym. He put in the off hours. He has that work effort to get there. Mm-hmm. And when I see younger guys do similar and like try to follow in his steps, I will give you credit for that. Like I want to see Bobby Portis bust his ass to become a great player or a good player, even I take right now. And I th- there's no trust there between Bobby and Fred, and I don't think Bobby has lived up to it this year. He looked fantastic in the preseason, playing against a bunch of young kids, and he dominated them, and that was great. And we're all hyped up for him. And then he hit the real season, reality hit, and he just. He, whatever it is, it's gone. 
Well, and the one thing I'm looking at right now is with Cannon and Marodic, and I'm even going to throw in our Nico Meritich. <laughs> I keep saying Marodic, and I don't know why, whatever. But the thing is with them, and I'm going to throw Taj in because Taj is kind of with Nico on this. Uh, don't you dare one move Taj now. No, no, no. I'm not saying move Taj. I'm just yeah. saying the it is a contract year for Taj. Correct. So Correct. that's why I'm including that. And with Nico, after this year, he becomes this offseason, he's going to be an RFA. Mm-hmm. So really it's do you the Bulls will have a choice to make this season coming up to the trade deadline. Do you A, keep Nico this season and then at the end of the year try to re-sign him? Do you B, keep him this year, don't re-sign him and whatever RFA he gets, you just either match or get the benefits from him being a restricted free agent? Or do you trade him this season? The only thing that's interesting is in his contract, he has a trade kicker of 15%. That means he's going to get a 15% trade bonus for being traded. So his salary is going to go up by 15%. Yeah, that, that's a little bit harder for teams to swallow if they're looking for him. I mean, Honestly, 5%, that might have been different, but 15 and it's Thankfully, one of those he's not making a ton right now, but... <laughs> this year, he's got a base salary of about 5.7. Yeah. 5.76. So we're not talking like making. a total killer on that contract, mm-hmm. but... I think that you have to see more out of Bobby Portis before you pull the trigger on a Nico trade. If Bobby proves that he can become like a more athletic version of Taj, which is what we expect him to be, mm-hmm. then I'm I'm cool with pulling the trigger. Let's go get some value for Nico because we we need it. Uh, I think with McDermott returning, that solves one problem for our bench. The other question then just becomes that Nico move because I think Taj, you you let him play it out this year. And if he continues on the pace he's on right now, he's worth every penny, and we'll probably see you know some lower lower level teams like the Nets, mm-hmm. like maybe the Kings or you know even the Sixers throwing big money his way, and we'll decide you know hey Taj is, has it been a great run and it's time to part ways, or maybe it's hey you're that guy who's going to get insurance going right back to depends on how far deep we in go. the playoffs. Yep. Depends on how far we go. I want to say the finals, but I was like, mm. if we go conference, like if it's Eastern like you said, finals. if it's conference finals yeah. and we go Cleveland, I don't think he leaves. I don't think he leaves. And the main reason is at first I was comparing Taj and but the situation. We, we got Rondo who could leave. We've got Wade who could leave. So this team could be a totally different team next year. If we, if we go and I'm saying, I'm not saying we are. Yeah. But I'm saying if we go conference finals and lose to the Cavs in there, yep. I don't think Rondo goes anywhere. Well, Rondo, it's all going to be on the team if the team wants to. I want he's to got back a weird, point. He's got a weird thing in his contract where the Bulls could get rid of him after this season and not have to pay his second year. Right. Like you said, Wade has the opt-out. I think if we go conference finals against the Cavs and lose and it's a strong series and it's not like a sweep, Mm-hmm. I think guys like Wade and Taj come back because I think it'll be kind of like when the Cavs lost to the Warriors and it's like you know you were close but no, you just we, need that one we can get we can get these guys or kind of like I'll even compare it to a team in the same city but from across the way in a different sport it's kind of like the Cubs from 2015 to 16 coming so close they even got swept in that NLCS yeah. but knowing that next year like no no we're coming for this one if we get to the Eastern Conference Finals and play the Cavs close, I think most of these guys come back because it's like, you know what, this team... Then at that point, this team would believe we can win a ring. Yeah, so what What do you think the missing piece is on this team from 
competing for a championship? I think it's the bench. I, I, really I think, think specifically it, it is a backup point. I think that if McDermott's healthy and we get mm-hmm. to see Nico or Bobby Porce, one of the two, be consistent, then we just need a backup point guard because well, I don't I don't have the most faith in Grant or Cannon. Well, and here's the thing, and I want to throw this out there because Denzel Valentine's not a point guard, but when he was with Michigan State in college, he was a guy that brought up the ball, ran the offense. Could we kind of see him kind of merge into, yeah, he's a small forward, but kind of like in the same way LeBron James brings the ball up for the Cavs sometimes, could maybe Denzel develop that to where, yeah, he's our small forward, but we kind of use him like a backup point at times to bring I mean, the ball up. He's mixing time at shooting guard still even, mm-hmm. but um, I think that he's too slow for the NBA game. When it comes to being a point guard, I feel like he would get abused. You got to have quick decisions when you're at that NBA yeah. level, and, and just even his body, like his motion. I mean, he he doesn't he doesn't look like he has the speed to keep up at point guard. When I look at quick guys like Cannon, like Rondo, even Grant, like they all have that game speed mentality mm-hmm. of a point guard, and I feel like Denzel doesn't have it. I don't know if he ever will, but yes, he has a good hand on the ball, and I can't take that. But it's just the you know, how to run an offense efficiently and quickly, I, I'm i not going to trust a rookie with that, especially on a team that has aspirations of being a conference finals team. I think they need to go out and find someone who get value for who you can right now and, and try to find yourself a, a true backup point. And one trade partner that the Bulls could work with is a team we're going to talk about in a little bit in the T-Bulls. But before we get to that and talk about the T-Bulls, yep. I got one last question with the Bulls that – we have to get to because this is a thing that I was listening to Waddle and Sylvie on Friday before the game against the Cavs. They had Rachel Nichols on. They were talking about the game, and they kind of talked about where does Jimmy Butler sit in kind of the rankings of the NBA, and they kind of solidified for sure that Jimmy Butler for sure is a top 15 player. Yep. In the NBA, you can say that confidently. But Dave, I want to ask you the question: Is Jimmy Butler a top ten player in the NBA? And that's a close one. There, there's a lot of those guys who are on the fringe. Like, look, you you can rule out one through five real easy. It's Steph, it's LeBron, it's KD, it's Russ, and it's Kawhi. In my mind, that's locked up. Dame Lillard at six. You could go. I, I would go honestly this season. I would go Anthony Davis and James Harden. Uh, right there. DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is overperforming as and well. And then 9-10, do you put Lillard in your top 10? I, mm, I mean, he's on a I bad feel, team, but he's still I feel phenomenal like, talent. I feel like Jimmy outperforms him right now. Well, Jim, to me, Jimmy is a top 10 player. So in I've, got, I've got Jimmy at 9. Whether he's 9-10, even 8 at the most. He's uh, a, it's one of those things with Jimmy, I don't care where you put him. Put him in the top 10. It's all, <laughs> like, I don't care where I've got you him at 9 him. right now, personally, because I, I think that it's... A, he, he's grown every year. Mm-hmm. This year especially, he, he's one of the best two-way players in the league. Statistically, he's having one of his best efficiency years. So uh, there's nothing to dislike about Jimmy Butler. Like, give me give me a flaw in his game right now. The, there isn't really one. I mean, he's putting up like 20... He's, he's got 25 a night. You want to know why there isn't? Four, it's four... Forces. You want to know why there isn't a uh, flaw in his game right now? Why is that? Because Jimmy Butler, he's your father. Thank you. And he's only playing 35 minutes. Like he's, well, he doesn't he's not... have to play 40 minutes a game because of the, like, 
It's one of those things Because Tom Thibodeau where, isn't his coach? Yeah, because Tom <laughs> Thibodeau isn't. Well, some were going to say that maybe, and I said sit the fuck down because we're not trading him to the T-Wolves. Yeah, no. You can uh, just take Jimmy out of all your trade rumors because we're keeping him. He's our, he's our team captain. Now. Yep. This is Jimmy's team. And to me, it's one of those things where he is in the top 10 mainly because of what you said. Best two-way. Like, to me, one of the best two-way players in the NBA. Like, Right now, overall, when I think two-way players, I'm thinking in the top 10 alone, I'm thinking, well, LeBron is everything. So, like, duh, yeah. he's going to be in LeBron? it. But, like, Kawhi and Jimmy. Kawhi and Jimmy, some of the best two-way players right yeah. now in the NBA. Unless there's someone in the top 10. I mean, Chris Paul is right there. Anthony Davis is right there. That's all that those guys, but Jimmy is as far as coming from a guard position. Mm-hmm. That's asking a little bit more. Well, guard shooting forward, kind of a hybrid. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I know he's marked as a, <laughs> he's marked as a small forward force, mm-hmm. but let's be honest, those, he's more of a shooting guard. Well, it's it's positions, and a, a ton of NBA coaches have talked about mm-hmm. this, and it's it's just the theology of the game. You can put whatever label you want on it, but when they're on the court, it's what job do they fulfill? And it's really just you have someone who brings up the ball, you've got some wings, and mm-hmm. you've got uh, some bigs down low. Well, it's kind of like it simple. Jordan and LeBron. We're listed as one thing, but both could bring the ball up. Sometimes well, that's straight. Yes. The streak of games in like 86 or something mm-hmm. when Jordan played point. Yep. And he was triple-double, like mm-hmm. machine. But it's just it's what you need. What does your team need from yeah. you? And Jimmy gives it to him. No, I totally think he is a top 10 talent in this league. And like I said, it's because of the two-way ability that he has. And that, to me, I'm also putting in that he's kind of a leader of this team. And it's one of those things where... It's growing. Last year was so rough. And it's just nice that we got all the baggage pushed off to New York. Yeah. Not... (laughs) It's not like, oh, good, we gave it to New York, but that's just where we gave it to. I understand. And we just... We don't have that baggage anymore. That D Rose, Joe. Yeah. I throw Joe Keem and I feel bad for him. Because Joe's been a, ki- Joe was a locker room guy for years. But he years, was kind of baggage. He was anti. At the end. He was anti Hoiberg. Anti Hoiberg. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And Wade's coming in and he's for him. He's mm-hmm. like he's getting the buy in from the players. And Rondo talked about this in the post game. Uh, with I, I forget it was the post game or like the halfway mm-hmm. point. Uh, it was brought up that hey, look, this this locker room is very close. There was like an optional like shoot around thing last night or the night before the game, mm-hmm. and so Thursday. Uh, yeah, Thursday night, and they had like eight guys, eight nine guys show up for that, mm-hmm. and they're all out there busting their ass for a practice that they're not, they don't have to be there for, yeah. but they want to be there for. Mm-hmm. So I think that's truly kind of when you start to see that, like, hey, our you team's got build, it this year. It's one of those things you got to build the culture. Yeah, and right now the Bulls were at a point where. We've had to we had the culture with Thibodeau of this is what our team was, and now this is the start of building the culture in the Fred Hoiberg days. Before we move on, I'm gonna little disclaimer. Leave your comments down below in the comment section. Let us know what you thought about this long thirty minute uh, Bulls discussion overall. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, yeah, you're welcome. I I could I could go on for days about talking about the Chicago Bulls, but we're gonna move on and talk about a former coach of the Chicago Bulls and his team right now, Tom Thibodeau and the Minnesota Timberwolves, not really living up to expectations, Dave, especially our expectations. Yeah, WTF. I mean, we, seed. We, we gave you the benefit of the doubt. We, we were, we were yeah. hoping for it before the season I, started. I said, ah, fuck it. Let's throw him in there at the eight seed. And this is a team that hasn't performed well, a lot of young talent, 
There have even been rumors. I know we mentioned it a little bit last week, didn't really get into it, about the uh, reports from Rick Buecher from Bleacher Report that there are workings of maybe a trade, Thibodeau going after a former player. No calls have been made yet, but the exact quote from Yahoo Sports is that, and I'm going to read it, people close to him, being Thibodeau, Mm -hmm. are convinced he will begin calling around soon if he hasn't already. So, end quote, we don't even know if he's made calls, but we don't think he has. What is your kind of, we'll start with the Timberwolves where they are right now and their disappointing season. What's the problem with the T-Wolves? If Uh, there is just one. They they don't play defense, and they don't play defense. Got to drive that coach angry. I I know how... Tibby gets with uh, when no one plays defense. It's it's kind of sad because on paper they they look like they should be dominating teams. They've got young. Here's the upside: you have young players who are really really good. Mm-hmm. You have Cat who is one of the most uh, offensively gifted big men in the league. Unfortunately, he is statistically the worst defensive center in the league, uh, which is hilarious because you know you guys are all ripping on Ja, and you know guess what? Get fucked. <laughs> Uh, then you've got uh, Wiggins, who is one of the best uh, scorers in the league, and you've got um, Zach Levine, who has grown his game quite a bit, and I think beyond my expectations, he's, he's becoming a really good player. But unfortunately, again, neither of them really plays great defense. So my big thing is on the upside, you've got young players, and the downside, your A, defense is shit, and B, your bench depth needs improvement. So... When I look at that team and what they need to do is they need to find some better depth on that bench. They need to maybe see. Here's the thing: Do you want to be patient or do you want to win now? They, my my opinion is frankly that they should just eat the suffering, continue to cultivate that culture. Don't have any knee jerk reaction to this bad start. You know, don't move any real huge any of their big three pieces, and just play it out. Let them grow naturally. Tom Thibodeau can beat defense into players. You know, they may lose a knee in the process, but it'll happen. They'll learn how to play defense. Um, I don't I don't think you go knee-jerk uh, here, even though you're having one of just the most disappointing starts to a season. Well, and for me, I think the reason why the knee-jerk is happening is because people look at it and go, well, look at what Thibodeau did with the Bulls. He came in. Do we, do we crown he, their ass? He came, well, he came in first year with the Bulls, Boom, took them all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals before losing to the Heat. But when you look at what kind of a team he had at that point, he had Derrick Rose, who was already a third-year like third year pro or in his third year at that point. You had Taj Gibson entering his second year. We had Carlos Boozer, a nine-year pro. Joe was in his fourth. We had... I mean, Luol Deng seventh, entering his seventh season in the NBA. We didn't have really that many young players. Our big, our rookie that year was Omir Ashik. Like I said, Taj was entering his sophomore season. Him and James Johnson were the only sophomores on that team. And we had guys like Butler, who was not Jimmy, Raul Butler, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Razul Butler, I'm sorry, and Kyle Korver, and eight- and seven-year pro, respectively, that year, we had vets on that team. So it wasn't like he was coming into a completely, like, fresh young team that he is with the 2016 Timberwolves roster. And I think that's where it's like, I kind of feel like 
okay, you don't want to make any knee-jerk reactions, but at the same time, I think to I think to myself exactly what you said. Do you want to sit around and wait for these young players, young players, to develop into the the vets that you're going to get? Because, I mean, looking right now, I mean, Chris Dunn's a rookie. Of course, he's not playing that much. But, I mean, Levine, third-year pro. Wiggins, third-year pro. And Cat is entering his second year. So, really, you can sit there and go, well, Ricky, they kind of have the same amount of veterans to young players that the Bulls had. Yeah, but they're veterans. Like the guys like Brandon Rush, Jordan Hill, and John Lucas the third. they don't have the same role on this team that the veterans had on that Bulls team. Yeah, really, it's just Ricky Rubio. Is yeah. their, that, that's their guy. That's their old man who leads this team. Like, I mean, Carlos Boozer was playing big minutes. I mean, Dang was playing big minutes. Butler and Corver and even Ronnie Bruja were Bruja. playing. Bruja. We're playing, and then we had Corey Brewer later. They were playing good, significant minutes for us. I'm kind of in the middle. Wait for these guys to develop a little more, but I'm also on the side of maybe it wouldn't be bad to make a move to bring in a veteran now to help this team. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if you do that, who are you going to give up? Uh, Gregor Dang or Zach or, I mean, look, you could, could you could you give up Shabazz Muhammad for I'm not saying like a top prize veteran. I'm just saying huh. somebody who can contribute now so that it's not like, oh, we have an eight year veteran, but he only plays like five minutes a game. Yeah, I, you need something more than that. You really do. I think they I think they need something much can, stronger than Can they do it without getting rid of Cat Wiggins to, or Levine? I think Levine is the is the low man on that. And I think there's a lot of value out there for mm-hmm. him. So I say you pull the trigger on Levine. Okay. I think I think if the deal comes along, I'm not saying you force anything. I'm not saying you take this as a huge like, oh, we're gonna dump Levine mm-hmm. for nothing. Uh, but I think that he is the one guy out who would be expendable out of their big three. I really think Wiggins has just uh, unlimited potential right now, and Cat is something special. Levine, I'm sorry, he's not gonna be a game breaker for you. Probably very few like. Very few players can have that level of impact from where he's at, and I think that his value is probably the best on the open market. Mm-hmm. So if a great deal comes along for a veteran presence, pull the trigger on him. Otherwise, ride it out. Let Tom coach this team. And in this offseason, look, you have cat money right now. You haven't spent. He, they're they're going to play this very smart, and they're, he his whole plan is to be patient. And this offseason, I guess, look for them to make some moves bring in some players. Uh, my hope is that really you just you, you bolster up that bench and you you find some people who are like defensive like masterminds or stars. I don't know what your whatever mm-hmm. terminology you want here, but you need someone to stop them because they're putting up like 114 points a night. Uh, they're, they're, they're tied for fourth in the NBA with that. But the problem is if they let everybody go right past them, it doesn't matter how many points you score if you're not – it's almost I want to say the D'Antoni system, but like you're not you're not them. You mm-hmm. can't shoot the three ball. That's the other thing. If you look at this Timberwolves team, I think they're uh, which is essential now for an NBA team in this this they're kind very of era. poor three point sh- shooting team. And in their wins, they're shooting like forty two percent from three. Mm-hmm. Their losses, they're only shooting like thirty one, thirty two percent from three. So I'm not saying you live and die by the three, but 
it's a huge deal in today's NBA. That reminds me. And they don't me, have anybody who can really just be their lockdown three guy. That reminds me when you asked me what's a little problem about the Bulls, that too, that we don't Oh, well, yeah. Three. I mean, Ron, so may, Rondo may, going one for one last night was pretty sweet. Maybe getting a three-point shooter would help, but that's a different Well, that's discussion. Dougie McBuckets. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he just comes kinda, back. Yeah, concussion, that's but, it's scary. But we're not talking about the Bulls. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to behave myself God. and stick to the T-Wolves. And the thing is that I don't think Thibodeau is going to, like you said, you can't go out there and be like, we got to get something going. It's going to play it smart. And it's not going to be, they like, they're not going to pull the trigger unless the right deal comes along. But the thing that's good is I think Thibodeau is going to target, obviously he's going to target a certain set of players. To me, four players come to mind. All right. Taj. Yeah. Luau. Yeah. Derek. And Jimmy. Well, the that's la- wait, Jesus. Wait, wait, All right. The last two, Jimmy, like I said, get the fuck out of here. He's off the table right now, yeah. Derrick Rose, especially, like, if Derrick Rose didn't make, I know that a player comment isn't everything, but if Derrick didn't make the comments he made this week about how he envisions a long-term deal in New York, I think he might be able to finagle something. But right now, I think the Knicks are on a, hey, he's playing well, maybe we can bring him back. So right now, I would push Jimmy and Rose off the table. So really it comes down to Taj mm-hmm. and Luau. And I think that the Bulls would listen to they would listen to a deal for Taj. But the thing that we we talked about when we were prepping for the podcast is the deal that we would most likely have to see from the T-Wolves is we would need Levine I think it was, what was it, Levine, Wiggins, and then maybe even a pick or Chris Dunn. For what? For Taj. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, they would never have to pay that much. That's an absurd amount. Then what would you say would be a good I don't price think there's, for Taj? I don't think there's a matching price for Taj because we At value all. him so high. Not even like a Levine, Chris Dunn? The problem is that we don't need Levine right now. We're already backed up at that position. So when I when I think about it, Taj is our consistency. He's mm-hmm. the guy who every night is the ten and ten guy at minimum. That's that's you know that's what we expect, and he often goes off for more well, than and that. I'm so saying like, fit wise for our team, getting someone like you know Zach would be great and all, but we don't need him then, to fill that role because then we have no power forward on then, our roster. Then let, we're confident with. Then let me flip this this way. Like I said, this isn't something where the Bulls are like, yeah, sure, we're looking to trade him. Like I said, I think we would listen to the right offer with the T-Wolves. Yeah, if they throw all that at us, I don't know. But for you, just what's the right offer? Like, what is the minimal offer that you would say, sure, we'll give up Taj for that? It's Dieng, and it might be, ugh. I might want Levine, but I don't think they'd give him up. And a pick would, okay, if you give us uh, probably Dieng and a first, sure, but I don't think it's worth it. And I don't think that they would pull that, and I don't think we would really pull it. But that's probably the kind mm-hmm. of value we're looking for for Taj right now because of our expectations this season and how well we're off to a start. And the one thing I do want to mention, I'm a fucking idiot. You want to know why? Why? When we were talking pre-podcast, yep. that deal that I said yep. was not about Taj. Didn't think It's so. about Jimmy. Oh, because yeah, I just there we thought go. in my so head. I was like, that, that's it, an outrageous it, price it, for I Taj. I just thought in my head, I'm like, wait a second. We also talked about if there was a Jimmy trade – and that was it. Maybe a Levine, like because there was the three of Cat Wiggins, Levine, Levine, and either one of the other two that they wanted to give up. 
and then maybe a third piece. Yeah, that's but crazy. We're not tra- like I said, we're not trading Jimmy. And they wouldn't give up those pieces. So no point. So take Taj off the table now. That means it's down to Luau Deng. Do the T Wolves and Thibodeau. I mean, go it's after not a great Luau. contract anyway, well, but uh not a great A, not a great contract. He's yeah. making about eighteen mil a season. Two, he's around for four more seasons. Like to me, if you're the T Wolves, let's try to get Taj because then it's like, well, if it doesn't work, we can just get rid of him next season. And maybe, like, the Bulls feel it, it would have to be, like I said, the right deal, but maybe the Bulls can feel like, hey, we can get rid of them. We can, then this would be a point where it depends on where the Bulls are. If the Bulls are sitting third in the East, we're keeping Taj. But, like, if we fall and we're fringe in the playoffs, depending on what happens, mm-hmm. hey, we can trade them, then try to get them back in the offseason. And then you're getting stuff from the Timberwolves and you're stealing Taj back at the end of the season. We got a long way to go before the trade deadline, before these talks rev up. Look, Will Aldang hasn't looked good at all. I'll just be honest with you. Well, I, don't, I'm just I don't know if there's for, value there right now. I'm just saying because Thibodeau is going to go for A, a guy, a veteran, and B, a guy that he can trust. I, I think a, he goes, a, a former player. I think he goes, I, I think the right move is to go for a 3 and D guy. I don't know. There, there's a handful of them in the league. Uh, they definitely have some value, but I mean, Corver's having a down, down, cli- Corver's on the down climb. <laughs> Maybe they get Corver. I don't know. Corver can't play defense, though. He tries. He tries. Well, trying being curl up into no, you're the right. ball. And, I said three and D. Yeah. And the D is lacking. But really, a three-point shooter than Dave is trying to go No, for. no. They do need a true <laughs> three and D player. They need defense. That's mm-hmm. that's my preach, and that's that's where I'll stop it at. Is yeah. just They need to go out and get themselves a three and D player. I'm leaning, I'm leaning towards overall the don't panic. Right. Don't hit the panic that, button. That overall, you don't even have to definitely. make a deal right now. Yep. It's one of those things where... If you're the T-Wolves, you can window shop for sure. Nobody's telling you you can't. You can talk to other teams, but don't feel like you have to make a deal just because something's not working. Like you said, Dave, this team has cap room that they can use next offseason, and then the draft you'll get young players. Hey, maybe if you don't want to add more young players, you can package draft picks together to go out and get a quality vet that you want, or you can get a guy who's a restricted free agent, mm-hmm. and then you're giving away those draft picks that way to sign a restricted free agent. But this T-Wolves team, like the disappointments that they've had, you guys have a core, and I wouldn't want to see this team blow it up just because it's like, oh shit, we thought we were going to be better than we were because we had Tom Thibodeau as our head coach. So true. Is there any last points that we you think we didn't hit when it came to the T-Wolves? Uh... No, no, I, I think the key is just don't panic. Just just don't let it hit, play out. Just, just let that panic button fall to the side. Let it play out. Be patient. Understand that, you know what, maybe you were a little high on this year. Maybe maybe you're not world I think, beaters. I think we all were, especially when Thibodeau signed yeah. with the T-Wolves. Yeah. It was like the second coming of Jesus Christ. Take it almost. down a notch, T-Wolves. Take yeah. it down. And then I remember everyone was, because I remember Waddle and Sylvie had the play-by-play guy for, I think he's the Minnesota Vikings, and he's like, Jimmy Butler's going to be a T-Wolf now. We're going to trade for Jimmy. Maybe the expectations we had for this team were a little bit too high. Don't hit that panic button. But before we wrap up this uh, podcast, this was a good one. It's a good one, It's a long friend. one. And right now we're sitting over an hour. I don't know if Woo. we cut the front and stuff, if it's going to be over an hour in the final cut. But MVP fans, you're in for a fun one. Yeah, yeah, I mean, hey, you guys love your basketball. So, I mean, we're going to give you everything that we've got here at MVP for basketball. But thank you guys for listening. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, hit that 
follow button and make sure to kind of peruse right over to the YouTube page and mostvaluablepodcast.com. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and bookmark most, most valuable, not most, most valuable podcast.com. I want to thank you guys for listening. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.